Hello, welcome to the Knights Podcast. My name is Leah Thompson. As a graduate of Cary Christian School, it's my honor to get to introduce you to our phenomenal group of teachers. On this week's episode, I get to speak with Leah Baker, who teaches 10th and 11th grade literature. We're going to talk about the novel A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. This interview is very timely because we get to dive into themes of resurrection and sacrifice, and I'm excited to get to release this during the week leading up to Easter. So I hope that this encourages you and um, also encourages you to read A Tale of Two Cities if you haven't yet. So please join me in welcoming Leah. Leah, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm really excited that you're here. I'm excited to uh, hear what the juniors are covering in 11th grade literature. Right now, you guys are studying A Tale of Two Cities, which is by Charles Dickens. And I know it's um, a classic that is just such a valuable thing for them to read. But I'm just really thankful for you being here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Absolutely thrilled to speak about A Tale of Two Cities. It's certainly our capstone work for 11th grade. It's one of the the most challenging novels they'll read and uh, I like to end with it because it's typically one of their favorites too. That's great. That's great. So just to kind of start us off, I'd love to hear from you just kind of more broadly, like why why do we read A Tale of Two Cities? What's what's the value of A Tale of Two Cities for our juniors specifically? Yes, absolutely. That's a, a great question. So of course, as far as European literature goes, you would want to study Dickens being that he's one of the key European authors, had an incredible influence over, over the course of his time as an author. And as far as A Tale of Two Cities go, in my opinion, Opinion, it's one of the most accessible of Dickens' novels. So mm-hmm. unlike other novels such as David Cofferfield or something along those lines, A Tale of Two Cities is historical fiction. So it really is weaving in a creative and mysterious plot that Dickens essentially masterfully unfolds over the course of the story. Very cool. Right, because a lot of his stories are more character-driven. And so this one because of the nature of it being historical fiction, I guess, is more plot-driven. That's really cool. So what what time period in history is it covering? Just to kind of give a basic... Yeah, great question. Yeah. So it takes place, Tale of Two Cities takes place over the course of 18 years, but it primarily focuses on the years leading up to the French Revolution and, and during those years. Very so. cool. So um, you guys spend all quarter talking about Tale of Two Cities, <laughs> and it's it's a hefty book. It's There's a lot in it. What overarching like themes and topics do you guys get to dive into as a class? Yeah, also a great question. I think that's one of the reasons students love A Tale of Two Cities in particular is because of uh, the, the themes and larger ideas that Dickens addresses in this novel specifically. So one of the themes that we look at is actually the, the concept of resurrection. And so one of the conversations we have is unlike uh, the way most Christians view resurrection in the sense of Christ resurrecting from the dead, Dickens uses this element over the course of the story um, in order to develop his characters and there's a phrase in Tale of Two Cities known as recalling to life Hmm. and what it means to sort of bring someone back to life, obviously not like Christ, from death to life, but in the concept of restoring them and bringing them to faith and knowledge and wisdom. Hmm. And how do you do that? Of course, one of the key characters in the book, her name's Lucy.
Stacy, she is known as the golden thread. And so she is sort of the thread that ties everyone together over the course of the novel. And primarily that responsibility of recalling to life rests in her hands. And so um, Dickens uses um, several motifs. Um, He uses the the concept of digging. It's a a phrase that he uses time and again Mm -hmm. over the course of the novel um, to resurrect various characters and ideas and memories. Um, So that's one of the themes we look at is resurrection. That's that's really cool. So is in the novel, is she referred to as that golden thread or is that literary? Yes, she is referred to as the golden thread because primarily of her hair, the way Dickens describes her, it's kind of this golden hair, but... A Tale of Two Cities is broken up into various books in addition to chapters, and so book the second of A Tale of Two Cities is actually titled The Golden Thread because it centers on Lucy's uh, influence as a character. And so she's the one kind of going around to each character in the novel and recalling them to life. Yes, she plays a significant influence, especially in the life of her father. Oh, interesting. um, Yes, that would be one theme is this concept of resurrection. Mm -hmm. We also look at the theme of honor versus dishonor, and... Of course, because this is uh, primarily centered um, or taking place during the French Revolution, we're looking at honor individually to mm-hmm. others, but then also honor and the idea of to one's country or to one's people. Yeah. And uh, when is it appropriate? Is it ever appropriate to, you know, quote, unquote, dishonor one's country for the mm-hmm. sake of what is right and noble and, and true? Um, so we have those conversations as well within this yeah. um, and looking at rebellion, things like that. What does that conversation look like? I'm so curious. <laughs> You know, I would say it's always different from year to year because, of course, if you look at the American Revolution, right, if you look at any form of rebellion, often, the, of course, the the eyes of the revolutionaries are looking at it as uh, um, a a worthwhile endeavor, right? Standing standing up for something. Right, exactly. Something, something, yeah, valuable, noble, um, all of that, of course, you know, that's certainly not what the nobles or aristocracy during the French Revolution thought. Um, And then sometimes students go into the conversation of honor versus dishonor with other authority figures, parents, right? So connecting it to their lives, right, not just right. a country, but, you know, other roles that young people find themselves in, parents, teachers, uh, mm-hmm. those kinds of authority figures. So um, I would say sometimes that that provides the most thought-provoking conversation, yeah. um, applying it a little bit more directly to their lives when they think about, okay, America as a whole, another country as a whole, France, of course, in this case. Um, but then beyond that, you know, honor versus dishonor, what does it mean to honor Christ, right, with right. your actions, and right. then how does that um, translate into other aspects right. of your own life, so. Well, and when scripture says to honor the emperor, what does that mean, or to <laughs> submit to your authority, even even in persecution, so, right. yeah, engaging in those conversations is so, so interesting and so valuable. Do you guys dive into that with, specifically, the French Revolution, and talking about whether they were... Whether the French Revolution was a just war, or do you guys talk about right. that at all? Well, we do, because, of course, one of the things the French Revolution um, perhaps later became critiqued for is that the revolutionaries eventually became um, perhaps the the people in the wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Initially, it was certainly, um, you know, the revolutionaries, the primarily the poor people, the third estate, they were starving, they had no food, they really... Um, were, were desperate, and so you know that ultimately led to the revolution. But over time, with um, 
you know, the September massacres, things like that. Ultimately, ultimately, they ended up just mass killing people regardless of um, any kind of, quote, sin or wrongdoing. Um, And so one of the conversations we have is whether or not the revolutionaries were then justified because really they sort of um, became more vengeful than perhaps uh, noble in intent. Hmm. So... And so then the, the final theme that we really look at is that the concept of love and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, actually, many students do see Christ probably most clearly reflected in the end of this novel because of that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, in the story, there is an incredible experience with mm-hmm. sacrifice and love and love that's actually not even returned. And mm-hmm. so what it means to die... Um, to, to sacrifice for someone else without having that love returned. And so um, it's really powerful, of course, is a very clear reflection of Christ's love for all of humanity. Yes, as Christians, we, of course, respond to that, but there's unfortunately plenty of, you know, plenty of humans who don't, um, and yet he still died for them. And so um, I think reading a literary work where over the course of the novel, you come to cherish these characters, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden Dickens throws in really a plot twist that most people don't see coming. Um, And and it's a sacrifice that, again, is a reflection of Christ that for most of us, we question whether or not we'd be willing to do the same. Hmm. How did the students respond to that? I know you haven't gotten there yet in the novel, so you don't want to spoil too much. um, Right. Because this will come later in the quarter, but do they? How do they normally respond? You know, it's a great question. I think uh, from most, they're first of all overwhelmed with sadness because again, it's a character that they've grown to love, and um, of course, a character that resonates with them. And so, when they see this just uh, you know overwhelming act of selflessness, most are sad. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the question is, well, why did that have to happen? Right. Um, and so then that can translate to questions of Christ. Why, why did that have to happen, right? He was perfect. He was holy. Why did that have to happen for him? Right. Um, why did Christ have to die for us? And so um, looking at, you know, what is perfect love? What is justice? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. again, of course, application of that. But, yeah, typically students first start with sadness, and then and then um, you get into more nuanced conversations of um, justice and meaning and purpose and value in life and, mm-hmm. um, and, and things like that. And so it's it's powerful. I love that. I love um, just the ability to drive them to Christ and to show them who he is so tangibly in a story. Because I think, I mean, obviously our students are being taught from a biblical worldview and they're in a class, All they have a Bible class. And so they're constantly reading that story. They, constantly, they are presented with that story, but to be presented with it in a, in a literary work that is um, just in a different way is really can be really powerful right well because of course you know they're hearing these verses in the bible right you know if you think of um you know greater loves no man than this than to lay down one's life for one's friend mm-hmm. you hear that but then to to see that and again to, to really connect right. to it because again they spent ex- the entire yeah to experience it they spent yeah. the entire quarter with these characters and so then to really experience that concept through a literary work for most of them I think is something that they haven't haven't experienced before yeah and it's transforming it's like I mean and I think about I taught second grade for two years and reading the Chronicles of Narnia and reading the chapter where Aslan's on the stone table it's like 
this is a tangible picture and for them it's oh I see and I understand and I love Aslan and I'm now I under I, I can almost understand more palpably because I've experienced it through these characters right exactly and then for most students because interestingly Dickens doesn't finish the novel right that right there there's a, there's a bit of a story that comes after for those that remain and so then uh, the question for us in class becomes right so knowing what Christ did for us how do we respond right how do the characters in the book respond after this moment of yeah. complete selfless sacrifice yeah. how do the rest of the characters live yeah um, and of course you know that's our question knowing that Christ died for us how then do we choose to live so. yeah. oh man that's so neat <laughs> and I and this is a book I haven't read I can't remember if I said that or not but I haven't read this and I'm so excited I have it literally on my nightstand and I'm so excited to actually dive into it and read it um, and I'm just really thankful for you sitting down with me and talking me through just what y'all are covering it sounds like y'all are having some really awesome conversations and that it's a, a meaningful time for um, the students. It, it definitely is, absolutely, thematically, and then uh, in addition, just because of Dickens' style of writing, one of the things we talk about at the very beginning of the quarter is how challenging it is to read mm. his writing. He uses uh, several different stylistic devices, including flashbacks, and so one of the things I always tell my students at the beginning of the quarter is that, hey, when you read this, you need to plan for a solid 45 minutes. You're reading about three chapters a night, and you really have to focus mm -hmm. and I think it's also a nice challenge for a lot of students that's mm -hmm. why I said it's a bit of a sort of capstone text for yeah. 11th grade European literature is because stylistically too so not only are, are the themes valuable and um, perhaps deep if you would like to use that term but stylistically also to read it it's a challenge for students so I think the combination of conquering a challenging text stylistically mm -hmm. um, as far as Dickens writing but then also thematically yeah um, is something that really sticks with the students over time so that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me and for talking through that with me. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, and I'll look forward to hearing your review of A Tale in Two Cities when you get to read it as well. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Leah. I've heard several people say that A Tale of Two Cities is a book that drew them closer to the Lord. And so I'm really thankful that our juniors get to read through that um, with Leah and get to experience just what she was talking about, the themes of sacrifice, the themes of resurrection. And I'm thankful that they get to be pointed to Christ through all of that. And as you know, our prayer for our students is that through every conversation on our campus, that they would be equipped to flourish in the modern world by finding their identity in Christ. I hope you'll join us again next week.